0: Hello, humans. My name is Honoré and this is a discourse beyond intercourse where we go beyond just talking about sex. We go beyond just the idea of procreation. We go into a deeper, more realms of the mystics of why we have sex. Who? How are we having sex? And how are we getting penetrated by life? And today I have a very, very powerful, empowered woman goddess, sister, friend. Hi, Ari.
1: Hi, Honoré. So good to be here with you.
0: (laughs) Thank you, my love. Thank you for coming in and thank you for just being here in your presence. And I really want to create this sacred time with you, this sister Mm -hmm. time, so we can really drop in to a field, a resonant field where we get to be really real with ourselves. And so the truth of who we are and the passions that's coming through in our life and how we want to be of service to humanity and what are we offering our gifts. I really want to explore these and get to know each other better. So I would love to know who you are. Yeah. If you want to just kind of briefly share a little bit so the audience can know you. Yeah. And feel
1: you. I'd love to. Well, first and foremost, I'm a mama of two amazing children, ages three and four. And I'm a wife and partner, and my, my our whole family has been a world-traveling family since our eldest was um, maybe five months old. And so we've been traveling the world together for a long time, and we're, my husband and I are both coaches, authors, and speakers. I wrote a best-selling book called Relationship Agreements, and my passion is around relationship coaching and coaching mamas specifically, and helping them... Really discover what they're passionate about, how to move through um, conflict in a healthy way and have deeper intimacy and more connection to themselves, their soul, to their partner, to their families. So that's a little bit about what I do.
0: Hmm. Oh, so much there. It's so juicy and so important. This work with mamas so they can feel really empowered and feel juicy and passionate about their life. Wow. Mm. <laughs> There's a lot there. So I just wanna share a little bit so the audience knows how we know each other. I I just wanted to just share, like I met Eric she called reached out to me. I guess she was referred to me by one of my clients. And I became just, you know, we just had a few sessions together, but we really got to know each other and I got to really feel her, feel her magic and her her intelligence and her deep wisdom. Um, And I was just exploring a little bit more about her womb and she wanted to know a little bit more about the moon mysteries and the blend mysteries and fertility and and just that connection, because there was something really strong inside of her that was coming through. There was something in the field that that she really was needed to explore and go Mm -hmm. deeper with. And that was really powerful. So I got to know you in a really intimate way. And one of the things that i really that stroke me, struck me and really I was like, Wow, Eric, you're just so empowered sexually. <laughs> Thank and, I, you. <laughs> and, and I really am impressed by that. I find so many women hold so much shame still, and confusion, and distrust of their body. And there was just something that I really admired about you that I really felt, Wow, you're just really confident <laughs> with who you are as a sexual woman. And so I kind of want to. If we can begin this journey, this dialogue together, if that feels good for you, yeah. uh, I kind of want you to just take a moment to self reflect because. We don't become empowered overnight, you know? There's a journey, there's a hero's journey that gets us to this place of like, wow, I am an awakened sexual human being. I am uh, empowered in my choices. Mm-hmm. And uh, and how did you get that? So where, your journey of like, how do you think you became sexually empowered? <laughs> I
1: think answering <laughs> that question will take the full hour, but I'm gonna try to give yeah. you some chapter stuff.
0: Yes. Yeah. So I think,
1: <laughs> It, you know, we rewind all the way back to when I was really little. Um, I grew up in an extremely conservative Christian home, uh, and yet my mom was a big hippie in many ways, and she uh, actually taught sex ed at my private Catholic school, which was interesting. Um, but even before that, we I remember this defining moment when I was maybe five years old or so, and I discovered how to masturbate in our jacuzzi, in our hot tub upstairs. And I remember my mom walking on me and me feeling this intense wave of emotions of like, Oh shoot, I shouldn't be doing this or something. Like I wasn't sure what it was. Right. Like I was already like amazed by what was happening. And she just looked at me and had a small smile and she just turned it on and walked out the door and shut, and shut the door quietly and gave me my space. And it wasn't mm. uh, in that moment. It was just deeply ingrained in me that it could have turned into a moment to be shamed. Right. Or, told that's wrong, but it didn't. Instead, it was just like the space to explore. And that was really beautiful. Um, as I was growing up, I I really struggled a lot between my faith and my religion, um, being a very active Christian in my church, and with my intense sexual desires. And it felt like the only people I could really connect with who understood me were other adolescent teenage boys. <laughs> you know, they were the only ones who got mm. me. And um, I didn't feel like I'd go to the, my, my, my girlfriends about that because their desires can to be very different from mine. Mine were very sexual, and theirs were very romantic. And we were, taught, we were being taught how to be um, you know, wives, like good wives one day and how to not be in sinful nature and all these different messages. So it was really hard for me. And I ended up choosing to kind of split my life in two. And I had, like, the good girl... <laughs> overachiever, doing all the things, always succeeding inside. And then there was the bad girl that would have the boyfriend who was the bad boy in school. And I would get a chance to just take the mask off and relax. And thank God Mm. I chose one of my first partners. was just a really good hearted person. And he gave, he like put up with a lot of my crap. (laughs) He put up a lot of me, a lot struggling (laughs) with between faith and sexuality. And allowed it to just be what it needed to be and all these crazy rules I created, you know, and trying to justify my desires and what I could or couldn't do. That was maybe not as much of a sin as they with it. Right. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. really need to write him a thank you letter one day. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then I, this continued. I mean, this, this struggle mm-hmm. between religion and sexuality was a huge part of who, what made me who I am. And eventually I, um, decided that I was going to take a summer off between, high, uh, between undergrad and um, business school and go and have a fun summer job. So I moved across the country. I grew up in Michigan. I moved to um, Massachusetts, to Boston, and was running a youth hostel. And if you've ever been to a youth hostel, it is like an all-you-can-eat buffet of hot sex <laughs> or, or anything you want around yeah. experimentation. Um, and mm-hmm. it was such an amazing safe place for me. Our manager actually created a really safe space for that to happen. And it was kind of weird, but he created rules around like how we protect our, our staff and our community, knowing that everybody there was there to, to have fun and experiment and also to work because we lived together. And mm-hmm. I got to try so many interesting things, and I got to really like for the first time like unleash myself. And I go a lot of the guilt. I was surrounded by my peers who were all as ravenous and curious as I was. Um, and then I decided one day that I needed to grow up. Like I had done a lot of, you know, I'd been on, on this amazing path and here I was, which was supposed to be just a summer job. Two years later, I'm one of the managers of the, of the hostel. And I'm like, I need to grow up more though. So I'm gonna go to business school. So I got accepted to the number one international business school in the world and was moving out there. I decided to take on some student debt for the first time. And I was like, how am I going to pay for this? And I started talking with other people that I knew. And I started just like interviewing people. And I met this woman who had done everything, everything when it comes to like trying to combine sex and money. And she told me all about the the arts of escorting and stripping and um, mm. prostitution and all these different things. And I'm like, whoa, this is wild. And she's like, yeah. So what do you want to do? I'm like, I don't know. I just like sex and, (laughs) uh, and I need to pay the bills. I don't really want to put out for money though. And she was, she was like, girl, you just need a sugar daddy. And I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah, sugar daddy. And then he'll just pay for everything and you can have sex when you want to. And, And I was like, uh, I don't know. And so she set me up with a profile and I just started exploring this. I'm like, this is so interesting. (laughs) <laughs> and on one of my first sugar daddy dates, cause just go to dinner and that's all I ever got to, by the way, was because mm-hmm. every time I went on a date, I just like connected with this person's heart. This guy's heart. I'd just be mm-hmm. like, I don't want to have sex with you. I just want to get to know you. I don't want this to be transactional right now. And, and there's, I am so close with so many different sex workers and I have so much love for that industry. Um, but that's mm-hmm. where I was at that point, And I, I just couldn't, Make the leap to make that connection. And it didn't feel like what I wanted at the time. And on one of these Mm -hmm. dinners, I met someone who said, Why don't you become a pro dom? And I'm like, A pro dom? (laughs) What is that?
0: (laughs) I was like, Yeah, you
1: you don't even have to have sex. You just give people what they want in terms of their kink, their fetishes, and they will pay Mm. you for that. You don't even have to take your clothes off. Mm. And I was like, Oh, well, that sounds interesting, but it also sounds really screwed up. I think it's only for people who are screwed up. Kink and BDSM sound like for screwed up people. <laughs> this will be funny. This will be more funny later on. He's like, well, why? <laughs> and he made me this amazing offer where I just feel so gifted, like so blessed now. But he said, Ari, I, I want to hire you. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to hire you to train you. And I want you for three hours a week to spend your time studying what it means to be a pro dom. I'll give you videos. I'll Mm. give you books. I want you to just be in it. And then we'll have a practice session once a week where you'll get to practice the things you've learned and you never have to take any clothes off. You never have to, you don't have to do anything uh, if you don't Mm. want to. And I will be okay with just watching you learn. And I was like, wow, that's really incredible. So I did. I did that for a summer where I just learned what it would be like to be a pro dom. And I got to shadow pro doms and I got to like talk with them and learn about this world that people were into. But I didn't connect mm. with it. It didn't It didn't make me excited or happy or even turned on to be in that role. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, this isn't for me, but thank you for this beautiful opportunity. And I learned so much and my heart just opened towards What is not so screwed up, actually, what is really beautiful a way of adults playing and connecting with their curiousness and connecting with their playfulness and healing Mm -hmm. old drama. I just didn't know that was even possible um, in this way. And so I have so much respect for the kink and BDSM community when done well. Um, Mm -hmm. Now I go to business school and I finish, and I get an amazing job doing leadership development at a Fortune 50 company. And it was incredible. And I just started but I'm still like curious about sex and how people connect and how people have intimacy. And, and I learned about open relating and open relationships and polyamory. And I just started getting to know these different communities and just being in awe of how the people who kind of took the rules for what I thought a relationship needed to be and threw them all out. They just got a blank canvas Mm. and said, if we could make our connection, whatever this connection is, sexual, romantic, romantic, Sensual, whatever it is, we could just throw out all the rules and design it how we want it, that serves us best in this moment. what would we create mm-hmm. and I felt like all mm-hmm. the mainstream messages, all the religious messages I grew up with were very black and white, and they didn 't leave any room mm-hmm. for creativity or really self expression and I was just like, mm-hmm. "Wow, this is so powerful, and you don 't have to be kinking you don 't have to be poly you don 't have to be any of those things. you can just be you and mm-hmm. make what you want." Mm-hmm. And so through that work, yeah. I created the book, Relationship Agreements, which was all about how do you just define what, how do you create and define what you want and let it be a living, breathing organism where your relationship is what you want it to be, where your sexuality is what you want it to be. And it gets to change and grow as you change and grow. Um, so that's, wow. There's so much that came from in a nutshell.
0: <laughs> wow. There's just so much there. Let's just take a moment because I know the whole audience is going, wow. That's such a big, wow, you know, you took charge. You just went after with curiosity and that's what I love and your innocence and your willingness to explore yourself and not hold back and be on this sexual journey of, of really what, what really resonated with you. The fact that you knew that, okay, I'm not a Dom. That wasn't really for me, but I appreciate the gifts, you know, And, and what the offering may be for some people. It may be really beneficial and helpful, Um, and I just love it. There's so much there to chew on.
1: (laughs) I want to add one more thing because there's one really big chapter that I didn't Mm -hmm. talk to. And that is, you know, that, that Mm -hmm. took me up to open relationships. And when I was becoming Mm -hmm. a, a certified coach, I was in this program and they, and they said, you need to explore vulnerability. You really that's your homework that's where you need to go and i was kind of terrified and i remembered someone once saying that the fastest way to intimacy the fastest way to vulnerability they've ever experienced was through kink and bdsm so i actually Mm. went back again years later but this time from the role of trying to learn what it would be like to surrender to vulnerability and from being on the other side and it was Mm. a defining life transforming moment i and i fully identify now as kinky (laughs) but more of a switch the deeper I went to submission and surrender Mm -hmm. the stronger I became in learning how to lead people on a healthy journey about what it means to really surrender to yourself and and be Mm. in that moment it's not about pain it's not about there are elements of lots of things but it's not about these twisted ideas we get about how screwed up people's fetishes or ideas or fantasies or desires are. It's not about that at all. It's about allowing yourself mm-hmm. the freedom to breathe and just say, oh, this is a part mm. of who I am. And, huh, I wanted to play, you know, cowboys and Indians when I was six. <laughs> and now I want to play it again when I'm 40. And that's okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love that. Um, the sweet surrender. So, really, it's just this blank slate, like you said. You know, there is no rules. There is no reason you know you are a human and you have you can be a full expression of your sexuality you could be a full sexual human any way you want any flavor you want yes. any all of, all of it is available and there is no you know, all the self-imprisonment that we do, you know, all these, you know, these boundaries, these um, restrictions, boundaries are very healthy, but restrictions and armor and limitations that we put around our sexual expression and our fullness that I really create, I feel, has some really deeper psychological, um, impactful, imprinting, um, conditioning. So there's just so much restriction that we feel like our our voice, you know, our voice to really express our sexual needs. It's just like we're caged, yeah. and our throat chakra is blocked off and there's so much anxiety now and addiction that, you know, and repression, and that comes from that, that, you know, we can go on and on. There's just lots to talk about that. Um, but I really liked when you talked about relationship, I think it's a really important piece. Um, Often we feel that this is an, there's only certain ways to relate, and that's a relationship can only be a certain way because we only have one type of you know um, role model generally, especially in the West we're talking about the west we're both were born in the United States um, you know open marriage idea I read that book I think it was in gosh, when was that maybe in nineteen uh, ninety. Um, And so I started exploring this idea of what does it mean open marriage (laughs) and how can we, how can we be open with ourselves and and what are we really want and what we really desire and can we have everything we want? Yeah.
1: (laughs) And what if the answer is yes, then what?
0: (laughs) Yes, that's, that's where it is. And so that's where the agreements, right. And that's where you start to really have those scary conversations and that piece of vulnerability, it's a huge piece. I mean, I really don't feel that you can really have true intimacy without vulnerability.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know? And so, um, yeah, I feel like I would like to take it a little deeper and just get a little more vulnerable <laughs> with uh with each other and maybe dropping into that place of okay, you were wild and free and you you were sexually expressed and you were curious and i was too and i feel such a kinship with you (laughs) um we have so much in common i was raised mormon i don't know if you know that for 18 years and i went to church every sunday and my best friend the day i told her i had sex for the first time i was 17 she was told me i was going to go to hell and she can never talk to me again and she was my best friend from the age of three And we never talked again. I never saw her again. And and I was like, okay, I'm going to go to hell, but I'm going to fucking have fun. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. (laughs) You know, I'm going to have fun on this ride. Okay, what does this mean? Hell and heaven. And you brought that up, that black and white. You know, the idea that we have to live in this extreme duality of like, you can only have this or have that. but You can't have both. And so let's get, yeah. And so the idea is sometimes as women, you know, to be sexually free and to claim your your sovereignty, your sexual sovereignty, and as a woman to open your legs willingly with your own free will, as you know, there's a lot of taboo. There's a lot of shaming around that. There's a lot of words associated to that. Some people call us a slut or call us a whore. Um, I want to go and... The thing that gets really scary for a woman, and I know because it happened to me, is like, fuck, you know, you want to be safe, you want to understand your body, you want to have your freedom, but there is always that chance of getting pregnant. Mm -hmm. And there's, it's always about, you know, it's no matter what, if you are especially younger women, because as you're more fertile, you know, from the time you start bleeding, can happen anytime from 12 years old, you know, until about 30 years old, you're quite fertile, you're ripe and ready and your womb and your body is like, okay, procreation, life wants to be created, you know, it's just this constant energy. And what do we do with that? Do we flow with that and find our own rhythm, our own cycle? Do we live in trust and love? Or do we live in fear? Hmm. (laughs) <laughs> so where were you with your choices did you trust your cycle did you trust where you were did you know when you were fertile did you use condoms were you smart what were where were you in that time you know when you were exploring your sexual freedom yeah
1: um, I was pretty much in the black and white camp uh, around that I was I needed to be on birth control that was the only option and use condoms Um Mm-hmm. and the wiser I got around safer sex discussions that was that made things a lot safer too and that wasn't until I was living in Seattle so I was much older
0: mm-hmm.
1: I was younger but, it, but I've always pretty much most of my life I've been on some form of birth control at the same time as using condoms. so it never mm-hmm. it never once crossed my mind to not do that honestly um and but what was really fascinating was that I had a lot of challenges with trying to find the right form of birth control for a long time. Um, I was just having some weird effects, and I needed like the lowest dosage of hormones I could get. But I had tried the patch and I had tried an injection and I'd done the pill. And um, I was in the process of switching birth control when I didn't know that I was fertile and I did become pregnant. And I had been the safest person, the biggest advocate of make sure you're on birth control and using condoms. And so for that to happen in that magical moment was just so, like, jarring. Like, how can the spokeswoman for doing these things still end up pregnant?
0: Mm, so, yeah, let's just go into that for a moment. Because <sighs> <laughs> there is, you know, that medicine, that work came to me when we, you know, And I kind of, there's something there. People don't really think about it. You know, that life came in for, it was an offering. It was something to teach you something. It was here. Souls, you know, come in and they leave. But what is the medicine? What is the purpose of that soul? Yeah. Yeah. So what was the purpose of that soul for you? What have you learned from that journey? Yeah. What happened? So
1: that happened um, just over a decade ago. And I came up with all of the reasons why this wasn't, it wasn't right for me and why I did not want to keep the baby. And so I chose to have an abortion and I chose to not tell very many people at all that I was pregnant, let alone that I was choosing this, this Mm -hmm. route. And there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of secrecy. And I won't go into all the details, but I, I went through the whole process alone in my apartment and it was one of the most traumatic experiences and um it was a really hard loss that you know i I took the medicine on a friday taking the day off of work on friday and then was back at work in my corporate job sticking butt in the corporate floor Mm. on monday and there wasn't grieving there wasn't the processing there you know, it was just do what you need to do and keep going. And I just I handled it extremely well, <laughs> you know, and you don't realize how much is there if you don't allow yourself to be present with the emotions and present with the pain. And I didn't allow mm-hmm. myself to, but it stayed with me and she stayed with me. Um, and it wasn't until a decade later, which was just a few months ago now, It was pretty much on the 10-year anniversary of when I conceived her that I started, I mean, it was probably right before then that I felt that I, like something, right around that time, I felt like something was happening in my body and there was something going on with me being called to understand my cycle and I've never really, that it just hasn't been a part of my journey up until a couple of months ago. Um, and really understanding that connection with my mother and like all of this like lineage stuff started coming up in my, and like understanding my body and what it can do and what it tries to tell me was coming up. And it was around the same time I conceived a decade earlier that I started getting real clarity on the fact that there was, that there was, that my, that my womb was still holding on to something. There was still like, you could physically feel like a lump there. And when people massaged me, they'd commented on it, but I had doctors look at it everything looked fine. I'd had two babies, everything was fine. Right. So there should be quote unquote, there should be no reason why there's anything going on there, but there was like this tension. There was this weight there. And um, as I started learning about my cycle, all sorts of strange things started happening. Mm. <laughs> um, it, I mean, we were not looking at buying land at all or building a house, but all of a sudden we, we had this opportunity to present itself Um, And it was so beautiful. And it was out on a cliff overlooking this river. Um, And we started thinking about it very seriously. And my husband kept having this dream where he would see the land, but he couldn't see a house on it. And he loves designing houses. This is, like, one of his favorite pastimes. He couldn't see a house on it. All he could see was a little girl running on it. And he thought maybe it was, like, our niece or something. He wasn't sure what what that was about. Neither did I. And we went over to see the land one day and he decided to climb down the cliff to go look at the river. And I was up on top and my period usually runs like clockwork every 28 days. Um, It used to be with the new moon. And instead it started a week early the day I went to see that land. And when he went down to the cliff, uh, I was called to just like something big came over it was like, Pull on your pants and give your blood to this earth. I have never done anything like that. That sounded absolutely that crazy mm-hmm. to me. <laughs> I was like, mm. what? Um, and I just did it. I followed it. And I ended up, you know, like being right there, giving my blood to this land that I'm absolutely in love with mm. my mama Bali and just weeping and still not understanding what was going on, but just being there um, and like, my husband came back up and he's like, Oh my God, are you okay? I was like, yeah, I don't know what's going on. My period started a week early. Like I've got all this stuff. Like this is wild to me. Well, what would happen over the course of the, over about a month long time is I would, I would soon learn that I was still carrying her with me. And through the help of, uh, our sex and relation, sex and intimacy coach, who I love, 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 like, yes, Coaches have coaches. Everyone should have a coach. Even relationship coaches have <laughs> relationship coaches. It's really good for you. So um, I, I'm, we're working with our amazing um, sex and intimacy coach. And she's like, we need to do an energetic birth. I think this baby mm-hmm. wants to come out. You need to be with her. And so my husband actually helped me birth mm-hmm. this baby. And it literally felt like I was giving birth again. And I could see her spirit like go up to the ceiling and just kind of mm-hmm. hang out there. And she didn't want to go anywhere else. And so she's like, that's okay. She's like, can you put her, what would you do with your baby? Can you put her somewhere else? And with all of my, with both my children, I had um, put them on my chest and wrapped them up in like a big, you know, like a carrying cloth Mm -hmm. for a long time. So I chose to like energetically put her on my chest and wrap her there. And I chose to carry her with me for that month and just talk Mm -hmm. to her. And she, she made it really clear that she wanted a name and that she wanted a proper burial and she wanted mm-hmm. to be recognized in my life as one of my children. And I was like, wow. Okay. So I was like, just spending a lot of time journaling and trying to figure out what all this meant and how to do this and what was her name. And, um, I had already picked out a name if we were decided to have more children that our daughter would be. And so I, and so I like didn't want to give her that name, but then it came, became very clear that the name that I had in my heart was her, always her name. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up, taking a little retreat on my own to the beach one day. The water is really important to me. And I just spent the night alone there with her and I declared her name, which is Leo Cadia love. And I gave Mm. her a burial and it was beautiful. And I wrote a long letter to her biological father and I, and just told him all the things, all the things. And it was such a huge transition. And when I put my hands on top of her grave, I could feel a heartbeat and it was so beautiful and powerful. And the weight just wasn't there anymore. And this is, and I just want to like pause for anybody who's listening. Like, this is not normal for yeah. me. <laughs> I don't, I don't regularly go in around, regularly go around doing like energetic stuff. We're seeing angels or like sometimes those things happen um, but it's when I really focus my awareness. But if you just met me, you'd be like, oh, that, there's like the badass, you know, relationship yeah. coach, corporate woman. Right. And instead I was having all these like deeply spiritual moments connecting with mm. my daughter. And so now mm. when I sing songs at night, I I sing to, I sing goodnight to all mm. of my children. And it's not just both my, mm. it's all of my children. And she's my angel baby.
0: Oh yeah, let's just just. Wow. I'm just yeah. So the power of. Ooh, I'm just sitting with this because this is such a powerful story that I've never heard, and I really want you to just sit here and just feel that that perhaps there's. This story has never been told, never been more, I don't know if anyone's ever on any podcast or, you know, live interview has ever shared that they did a, this kind of burial and this honoring for this unborn soul, you know, and how powerful of a, of a, who, honoring hmm, recognition an appreciation that you gifted to your daughter. And it's just how many women around the world are maybe still holding, you know, in their womb. I mean, this is deep. Like I'm really feeling this right now. And I, who in many different levels and realms and, you know, wow. Hmm. Yeah. It's just, the, oh, yeah,
1: I, this is the first yeah. time I've ever shared the story vocally, yeah. um, but I wrote about it and I I posted it on my Facebook wall um, when it happened, mm-hmm. shortly after it happened. And what was so beautiful was how many private mm-hmm. messages I got in response. Just how many people reached out, just saying I've had a really similar mm-hmm. experience, or I've felt like I'm I've been carrying this child since I either had a miscarriage or chose mm-hmm. to have an abortion both and like there are these lost these souls that have not come into the world the way that we expected or stayed with Mm -hmm. us we expected um and just the healing that's there and then i had a man be like i really need to meet with you and he came over and i'm like what's going on he's like i need to talk to you about your post he said i just went to this uh monastery in the mountains of china or thailand thailand and he said you know there you spend two to four weeks in this intensive cleanse, we are working with healers all the time. And, um, and one of the questions they ask you right away is, are you aware of any children that have been aborted or miscarried that you, that you were bringing into this world that you were responsible mm. as a man. Um, and that's one of the first questions they ask you during this time of healing and repentance and cleansing and he was so amazed. And he's like, I'd never even thought about that before. I don't even know who would, who the, who'd have, who have, I could have done it with. And they wouldn't tell me. Right. And through one of his um, times with the monks, they they said, you have two. You have two children that you have not gotten to, to meet and that you are still responsible for. You need to be praying for them and doing the healing you need to do is, with your role in that. And so like what if this is bigger than what we thought? What if all of us are impacted and we're
0: all mm, carrying this I completely agree I'm feeling it right now this is a big piece that is unspoken and, and it's and it's in the subconscious and it's in the collective field and this is part of one of the wounds and and maybe why we feel yeah. so like you know there is so much shame and and confusion uh, uh you know around I don't know around creation itself and what it means to this power to procreate you know we have so have oh, we have so much power that I, this has been my biggest thing that's been really just it just hurts me is often I just find Women who don't even, you know, females and males too. I mean, we just, male are planting their seeds. Women are confused. You know, they're having sex. They don't want to have sex. They don't have a conversation. Then all of a sudden the semen's in their womb. They don't know they're fertile. And then like two months later, they're pregnant. And they didn't even know they were pregnant. They've had a.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: I'm like, I, 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 sometimes it's hard for me to just really comprehend this. Because I knew both times I've been pregnant twice. And then the first time, which I think I'm not alone. There's many, many women. I think that if we were going to do a poll, really do it. You know, it would be probably 60%, maybe as high as that. But the first time I ever let a man ejaculate inside of me, it was my, my love of eight years. He was my best friend, but I was only just turned 19 and it was the first time i ever let him ejaculate and no condom and i got pregnant mm-hmm. cuz you are so ripe and we are so are you know, we're so ready it's like sitting there going yes so ready oh, feed right. me feed me you know and i was so young you know there's no way i was not ready to be a mom i was just a little girl still you know i hadn't even grown up yet really and um, But I, he held me, you know, I had the abortion and he held me and supported me and loved me. And we talked about it and we talked about, you know, we weren't ready, but maybe in the future. And but we really honor this life that we co-created together. But often women and the second time I did the abortion all by myself, I never even ever told my partner. I was a complete secrecy. Mm-hmm. Because I did not want... He was 100% against abortion. And I was 28 years Mm -hmm. old. So I was not a little girl. I was in my power. I was a full-time student. And I did not want... I knew I did not want him to be the father of my child. We did not have the partnership that I wanted. Mm -hmm. But I felt empowered enough to say, no, this is my body. But at the same time, you know, now I sit and I'm like, wow, I... Like you said, that he did not know that he he created the soul. Yeah. And so maybe that is inside of him. And he there is an energetic bond. And there's something, a closure that we need to have. And, you know, because I was almost three months. I was almost at the max before they, they wouldn't allow it anymore. Because I was so confused. You know? And yeah. there's so much confusion I- in women. It's so scary. This unwanted pregnancy.
1: Yes, so
0: yeah, yeah, (gasps) (sighs) there's a lot there. There's a lot there. (laughs) Yeah, you know, and so we think about all the, the souls that are coming in, you know, the ones that weren't born and the men who didn't know they had a potential to be a father, you know, so there's a lot of energetic, clearing and healing that has to happen. And this is really what this podcast and my life journey and my purpose is here is to awaken this new way of relating To the power that we have as sexual human beings. And what are we doing with this power? And are we conceiving consciously? Are we having conscious birth? Mm -hmm. Are we becoming conscious parents? You know, so this whole other thing. But as you know, I just want to go into the other side. Well, what about all the souls that are here? That were born unwanted. Mm -hmm. Not really fully Mm -hmm. wanted. I mean, this is drop into all the women and I have had conversations. I've had many clients and I've sat in many sacred circles with women and red tents where women, you know, they speak their truth and they're like, I did not want my child. I was not a full yes, but I did it out of duty. Yeah. I did an ab- obligation. I was needed. To, I felt like it was the right thing to do. I felt like I may not have another chance.
1: Yeah. Yes. And men too, men who did it for for the sake of their partner, mm-hmm.
0: really wanting it. Ooh, and that's another heavy one. So, what about what do we do? You know, like Angel, my beloved. You know, Angel. We're gonna talk about this on another episode. Um. But he knows he went. He was on a deep ayah journey that took him on different, you know, insights and back all the way back to when he was a little boy, all the way back to the womb. And then one time during vipassana, he had a deep download and a po- poem came true, came through, where he really recognized that he was not wanted ever. That his father, his mother was actually raped by his father, and that's how he was conceived. And he did not, his mother just gave birth, you know, six months earlier and did not want a second child, was not ready, was not fully in her power, did not feel healthy and was forced. She was conceived in, you know, in 19, you know, in the early 60s, you know, even now it's a shame you don't abort a child if you're married, right? So, yeah, so he has never felt fully wanted, fully loved, fully here out of that, that openness, that, that fullness of love. And that there's many souls, there's many humans here right now that really the, the biggest wound is not feeling worthy. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Ooh.
1: And
0: yet we all are, we so are, worthy. Yes. And we, all <laughs> we are here, so right? worthy. We're all divine as we know, you know, and we all have magic and we all have purpose and we all have gifts to share with the world. And that's yes. where I would, let's just start coming into that place. So how can we do it? Or what about the souls that are here? The ones that are alive, they're in their human body. How can they really come to that place of self-acceptance and love where they can also feel fully free to express themselves sexually, which to me is really our potency of our creative potential. Mm. That's what I look at as sexually. A lot of people think, oh, does it mean I can have a lot of sex? I can have big orgasms, you know? But to me, it's much deeper beyond <laughs> that. It's really our creative potential. It's our erotic genius.
1: Yeah. And I think it's, it's yeah. like, where do you start? You start with, in my mind, it's you be you begin mm-hmm. with yourself. It comes back to your soul, really getting comfortable mm-hmm. with being with you. Because if you're not comfortable with you, how is anybody else mm-hmm. going to be comfortable with you? And allowing yourself the gift mm-hmm. of pleasure. A lot, and, you know that and pleasure can mean many things it doesn't mm-hmm. just mean jacking off right the, the pleasure of what does it mean to be fully in my senses? The pleasure of touching myself in a way that feels exactly mm-hmm. like how I want to be touched. The pleasure of watching a you know a knife slide through a strawberry as you prepare to put in your mouth you know or whatever it might be, but just really being fully present and gifting yourself pleasure without the shame and the guilt that
0: we were so
1: many of us
0: were just uh, mm. grounding in oh yeah we have a lot of unpacking to do in <laughs> a lot of releasing <laughs> from all the religious bullshit and and the dogma and everything is so many people in the west you know i can only speak mostly in the west so I think we are, it's happening. I think it, humanity, and especially right now, there's, there's an opportunity, I mean, with all this lockdown or, you know, bring relevance to where we are right now in the world, you know, we are at a pivotal shift. We're at a huge stand, you know, a huge shift in humanity and our consciousness and our way of being. I'm really hoping that this, this becomes an opportunity. It becomes a catalyst to, for us to really have that chance to say wow I really do love who I am I love my life wow I have all these opportunities all these gifts and there's so much everywhere <laughs> I'm kind of hoping we come yeah. into that place of like you know of, of having more intimacy with ourselves I think that we have more time now to really get to know ourselves more and that's where it all begins
1: yes and that can feel like a blessing yes <laughs> some people so just remembering Self, yes. to be gentle with yourself and if you if you want to pick up that you know whatever your advice is the mm-hmm. netflix or the facebook or whatever it might be and you feel that anxiety you know, just set a timer and give yourself okay i'm, gonna, I'm just gonna mm-hmm. be present with myself for one minute and I'm just gonna be I'm um, whatever happens is okay. And I'm just gonna be aware of what's coming up for me. The idea of being alone with myself or gifting myself pleasure, like mm-hmm. what comes mm-hmm. up, and there's a lot there. And just you know, baby steps one mm-hmm. at a time, one minute at a time, going to five minutes, going to ten minutes until if your body knows, your mm-hmm. soul knows what you need, you're already whole just as you are. It just helps getting these little Moments of insight mm, and trusting yourself. Yes.
0: Yeah, so this is yeah, bringing to relevance to now. Thank you for that. And practicality. It mm-hmm. really just one minute at a time. And and just stepping into that field of love with yourself, um, trusting your choices, trusting to be with yourself. And I know you're working on something right now, right? To help people feel more love in this in this time of change. Do you want to share a little bit what you're creating in the world, am- my love?
1: Sure. There are um, two big things that I'm doing, doing coronavirus. Um, one of them is already out and available. <clears throat> it's called beyond mom mode. You can go to Facebook and search for beyond mom mode and just click on the group and sign up, mm-hmm. sign up, the, fill out the questions, just to ask for your name and email. And then you get all this access to 10 days worth of um, invitations mm-hmm. to take care of yourself for self care. This is really for moms But honestly, (laughs) this is really for moms, but honestly, a lot of the tools are for anybody out there, especially women. (coughs) But this is um, designed to help moms who are already stressed and dealing with how do I take care of my kids during quarantine and take care of myself. And it's really teaching them how to put on their own oxygen mask first before Mm -hmm. they take care of everyone else. Um, And Mm -hmm. when when moms are, are replenished and they can get from a place of abundance, when they feel nourished, their ability to nourish those around them is Mm. so dramatically different. Their ability to connect intimately with themselves and their partner, their ability to have patience, their ability to really find joy and playfulness in the moment. These are the women who transform families, which can Mm. have a generational impact. So I created beyond mom mode to just be a community of women encouraging each other to remember who they are Mm. and take care of themselves and beyond quote unquote, just being a mom, which is so big. So that's available and it's free and you don't have to do it in 10 days. You can take all the time Mm, you want with it. It's there for you. And I have guest speakers, Mm. all sorts of cool stuff there. The other one starts in about a week from now. It's called Love on Lockdown. And you can find, if you just go to Facebook and look for the Love on Lockdown event, it's going to be uh, two weeks where I send you invitations for how you and your partner or partners can go on Mm. fun dates while in quarantine. Because so many people are stressed and everybody's like, take all these challenges and do all the things and you're going to become a better person if you just get through quarantine when you've earned, you know, your certification in 18 different things. And I'm like, okay, let's just chill. What if we could de-stress and find easy, fun ways to remember mm. how much we love each other? What if that were it? So I'm going to send six dates. I'm inviting mm. people to go on three dates a week. And... They're 30 minutes or less, and they can all be done from quarantine. They can all be done if your kids are sleeping or if you don't have kids and you have busy uh, career schedules still. You can do them in the evenings or whatever feels good to you. You can share in the private Facebook group. That I'm going to have guest speakers. And then every Sunday night, for those two weeks, we're going to be getting together as a global community and sharing stories and looking at how normal <laughs> your crazy situation is how normal it is to feel stressed or how normal it is to feel closer together than ever before. And like Mm -hmm. everything you're experiencing is okay. And and it doesn't matter your relationship structure, you can be married or dating or monogamous or an open relationship or polyamorous. I'm going to teach you how to date. Using things I've used mm. with my clients for years, that'll actually give you some simple direction on how you can create more connection instead
0: of just doing.
1: Netflix <laughs> I love
0: that. I want Angel and I to join that. We're definitely going to to join. It'd be great because we need to explore more. That's we nice. ended up having a spontaneous tantric lovemaking session. I always love that instead of watching Netflix. So it was. Oh, watch out! Yes. I lost my headphone. So it was much better than Netflix. <laughs> I let my Shakti come out, it. but that's one I thing <laughs> we're getting towards the end of our beautiful sacred time together. And I'm just like, so excited that we brought it in. There's some, you know, we are at this time and we are spending more time with ourselves. We're spending more time with our family, people that we love. We are in close quarters. We don't have the social, we don't have the distractions. We don't have the, the ways to escape. And and so there's lots of medicine that can arise from this time, you know. And 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 so I do want people yeah. to be more aware of, like, really, where their sexual urges coming from, their desires. They say that actually, I've been reading, and I'm wondering if that's going to be true. But they say more people get pregnant during this these type of, you know, quarantine times. <laughs> so we're we gonna oh, yeah. have a. <laughs> Are we going to have a baby boom come out of this? And, and so are we going to do it consciously? That's what I want to know, you know, are these souls going to come in? You know, we know what we want. I want the souls to come in with love, with awareness, with, with desire, with, you know, intention. So yeah, I'd like to maybe have another, another time with you, another, you know, we can go in another episode so we can yeah. go deeper because I really feel there's something really rich there of where are, what's these energetic souls that came in that weren't unwanted but never really got birth, and then also the ones that are born, that are here, that have never really felt wanted. Mm. Yes. And I
1: want to talk yes. about my two conscious births. They're freaking powerful.
0: <laughs> so we got yeah <laughs> the, the conscious birth, the and that's what really what awakens sex. The bigger thing is we're not going to awaken into a new humanity until we awaken, until the women and the you know and the men and both, all of us awaken to who we are, what are our sexual needs, and are we really ready for it to be a parent? You know, really come into that full awareness. And sit with ourselves and be with ourselves and be empowered. So when we become impregnant, that we really—it's a conscious conception, it's a conscious birth, and we are creating a new generations for the next generations of of children coming in with that unconditional love, feeling that connection to their soul. And there's so yes. much magic and potency there. So thank yes. you for this work so you know good. i i chose not to get physical birth to get this work and so i really honor the mamas so i'm going to be interviewing a lot more mamas really really tapping into this wisdom of the womb and and really because there's just so much power there
1: i love it oh
0: thank i'm you so, so much honored and thank you for on. joining me dear one i love you i love who you are and I will send your Thank links you so and all that stuff everyone. and everything will be in the episode and I'll let you know when it's going to be launched. All right. Beautiful. Ari, have a beautiful amazing. day. Blessing sister. La, Kisses, but.